0: I would like to introduce your moderator for today's workshop, Dr. Carolyn Mesner, Senior Director of Education and Training at Cancer Care. Please go ahead. Oh, thank you so much, Rob, and I too would like to welcome everyone to today's program: Glioblastoma in Adults Treatment Updates. And today's program is a partnership with the Brain Tumor Foundation and Cancer Care, and you'll be hearing more about the Brain Tumor Foundation soon um, during the program. Um, Uh, And today's program is supported by Bristol-Myers Squibb, and we grant from Genentech, and I really want to thank them for their support of today's program. Now, we have over 210 participants on the call today, and who come from all the United States, from both urban, rural, suburban, and frontier communities. And we also have international participants from Australia, Belgium, Canada, Egypt, Ireland, Italy, Poland, Switzerland, and the United Kingdom. So it's a global call as well. So there's a lot of interest in this program today, and we're delighted to have all of you on the call today. And now it's my great pleasure to introduce our first speaker, and our first speaker is Dr. Jeffrey Bruce. Dr. Bruce is the Edgar M. Houspian Professor of Neurological Surgery, Vice Chairman of Academic Affairs, New York Presbyterian Columbia University Medical Center, Director, Bartoli Brain Tumor Research Laboratory, Co-Director, Brain Tumor Center. Dr. Bruce will be addressing an overview of glioblastoma in adults in the context of COVID, Omicron, and seasonal flu. Current standard of care, new novel treatment approaches, including immunotherapy, and key questions to ask your healthcare team about quality of life concerns. It's my pleasure now to turn this program over to my esteemed colleague, Dr.
1: Bruce. Thank you, Carolyn. Uh, I am delighted to be here today on behalf of Cancer Care. I want to welcome patients out there struggling with their tumors and let you know that you are not alone. I also want to thank all of the friends and family members who are here today and thank you for your generosity and support. This, this is a hopeful time to be involved in the care of brain tumor patients. The, the worst of the COVID pandemic has passed and we're able to focus more fully on better treatments. Hopefully you'll find this cancer care teleconference useful. I've been associated with this terrific organization for many years and have been able to see firsthand how they provide such wonderful service for many patients and their families. For those of you who are suffering from brain tumors, they're a great source of education and support. I'm going to start by giving an overview of, of glioblastoma. This is an exciting time to be in the brain tumor field as there are many new advances in the diagnosis and treatment of glioblastomas. There are more scientists working on brain tumors now than any other time in our history. Glioblastomas are what is known as a primary brain tumor. That is, they begin in the brain and they grow from within. This is distinct from metastatic brain tumors, which are tumors that have spread from elsewhere in the body into the brain. Glioblastomas are malignant brain tumors and are the most common type of brain tumor. They can spread to other parts of the brain or spinal cord, but rarely spread to other parts of the body. They are invasive tumors, so most of the treatment is designed to control the tumor at the location in the brain where it begins and originates. Although there are researchers who are trying to determine what causes brain tumors, At this point, no one truly knows. It's clear that nothing you did caused your brain tumor, and there was nothing you could have done to prevent it. Glioblastomas are diagnosed when patients develop any of a number of symptoms. Some general signs of brain tumors include headaches, seizures, weakness, balance problems, personality changes, or nausea. Depending on where the tumor is located in the brain, one can have specific symptoms such as speech difficulties, confusion about the right or left side of the body, balance problems, problems with fine motor functions such as writing or buttoning a shirt, problems understanding words, or difficulty walking. Any of these symptoms can lead your doctor to suspect a brain tumor. The diagnosis is then made with an MRI scan. So, although the pandemic has settled down, one thing on everyone's mind is how COVID is going to affect me and my brain tumor. You have heard all the warnings about the virus and the need for vaccinations. Now, more than ever, it's important to stay as healthy as possible with good diet, exercise, and activity, as well as addressing issues such as stress. You should be aware that one of the features of having glioblastoma is that your immune system is suppressed, not only from the effects of the tumor itself, but from the fact that you might be taking steroids at different points during your treatment period. All of this works against the immune system. Therefore, a common-sense approach to avoiding contagious diseases uh which includes not only COVID but also things like seasonal flu. So being up to date on your vaccinations, obviously for COVID, but also for the for seasonal flu. And then it makes sense to have good hand washing techniques, use a mask as appropriate, and avoid crowded situations as much as possible. So you are at higher risk and it's important to just use common sense uh, strategies to to keep that risk as minimal as possible. Okay, let me begin by talking about the standard of care for glioblastoma. Current standard of care relies on surgery followed by six weeks of radiation and then chemotherapy with temodar. In the treatment of glioblastoma, the goal of surgery is to try and remove as much tumor as safely possible on where the tumor is located, a surgeon may be able to remove most of it or only a small portion of it. In some cases, only a biopsy may be reasonable. The problem with these tumors is that they invade into the normal brain, so it's not possible to completely remove them. There are a variety of techniques and tools that make surgery safer than ever. Surgery accomplishes two goals. One is to remove some of the mass effect or pressure on the brain that is causing problems, and the other is to provide tissue to give to the pathologist so that he or she can make the diagnosis. Pathologists now have sophisticated methods of analyzing specialized molecular characteristics of the tumor, which can give an idea about prognosis and even potentially what treatments might be best. The You may be familiar with some of these terms, such as methylation status or IDH mutation. Once the surgery is complete and the patient has recovered, he or she will undergo 30 treatments of radiation therapy. This is generally given Monday through Friday for six weeks. It's generally painless, but some of the side effects can include hair loss, tiredness, and skin irritation. Radiation damages the DNA in tumor cells that cause tumor cells to grow. The amount of radiation is designed to give the maximal effect on killing tumor cells while avoiding damage to normal brain tissue. Chemotherapy is given as well. The standard chemotherapy is a drug called temozolamide, otherwise known as temodar. This drug is shown to be effective at slowing down tumor growth. It's sometimes given during the radiation, sometimes given after. In any event, it's effective in any manner that it's given. As I mentioned earlier, this has never been a better time for brain tumor research.
0: A variety
1: of new treatments are being developed. The ones that people are most familiar with are different types of chemotherapy and the very promising areas of immunotherapy. There are many new drugs being developed all the time that are designed to target the growth of brain tumors. Some of the novel treatment approaches include ways to alter the chemotherapy so that it gets better penetration into the brain. Also, many of these drugs are designed to have less side effects and to be more effective at killing tumor cells. With the advances in molecular biology techniques, scientists have been able to determine very detailed molecular and genetic al- analysis of individual tumors. This has led to a lot of excitement into the area of so-called personalized medicine. And what this means is that scientists can analyze a given tumor and determine what parts of the tumor are causing the tumor to grow, and what parts are different from other people's tumors. With that in mind, it may be possible to develop special drugs that target these individual problems and an individual's person's given tumor. This work is very preliminary. It's not been developed to the point that it can be mass-produced for every individual, but that is hopefully something on the horizon. Other types of drug out there are designed to affect blood vessels in the brain or to and block block the invasion of the brain by tumor cells. Additionally, some new methods of drug delivery are being tested, including a strategy known as convection-enhanced delivery, where high doses of the drugs are pumped directly into the tumor and to the surrounding brain. Finally, there are some new developments in everything from gene therapy and the use of viruses to attack certain parts of the tumor. These treatments are part of a trend known as biological therapies. There are specialized viruses or bacteria, and products from them can be used to kill cancer cells. These sophisticated treatments have been working worked out in research laboratories for many years and are just getting into the clinic now. They are holding out a lot of hope because they represent entirely new approaches to treatment. One of the very promising areas for brain tumors is the field of immunotherapy. These are treatments that use vaccines and other strategies to help the tumor's own immune system to eliminate the tumor. The immune system in human beings is remarkable. It's what allows you to get rid of viruses and bacteria that cause the flu and other types of infections. Basically, the immune system recognizes viruses and bacteria as foreign invaders, which are then destroyed in the immune cells in, in the body, just like in the Pac-Man video game. Interestingly, the immune system recognizes tumor cells like glioblastoma as a foreign invader and responds by stimulating an immune response. Unfortunately, the tumor cells grow faster than the immune system can destroy them. So much of the research now is designing new vaccines or drugs that can boost the immune system response. Much of the immunotherapy work is still at a very early stage, but these results are very provocative and promising. Most promising areas include the use of vaccines who are made from parts of the tumor itself or the harvesting and expansion of powerful immune cells such as T cells or dendritic cells that attack the tumor. One of the newest highly personalized immunotherapies is called CAR T-cell therapy, which where CAR stands for chimeric antigen receptor. This treatment takes the immune T cells, which are a special type of immune cell from the patient's blood, and alters them so that they so they bind to a certain protein also known as an antigen on the patient's cancer cancer cell these car t cells are then grown in large numbers in the laboratory and then infused back into the patient the goal is to make these t cells better at recognizing brain cancer cells and to make them more powerful in killing the cancer cells there are also a number of very promising drugs involving immunotherapy and those drugs that boost the immune system. You may have heard of something called checkpoint inhibitors, which are among the most promising of these types of immune drugs that are being tested. And immune modifiers are often given in combination with other immunotherapies such as vaccines. I want to finish up here by talking a little bit about quality of life concerns. This starts by making sure that you can communicate with your healthcare team. First of all, it's important to seek reputable specialists. It's helpful to find people who are specialists specifically in brain tumors. It's easier than ever to find these people with the use of the Internet. Also, by working with support groups and groups like cancer care, this can be easily accomplished. Some questions to answer, to to ask when you see your health care team are, what options do I have for treatment? What are the risks and most common side effects? Should I have a second opinion? Do I need to start treatment right away? What is the most effective way to communicate with you and your team? It's important to have some control over your lifestyle, given the inconveniences of seeing doctors and getting tests and treatment. Keeping a notebook or using your smartphone to jot down notes and reminders will help you to make sure that you're not overwhelmed by dealing with your condition. This way, when you see your doctor, you can make sure that your questions are answered and you can make sure that your instructions are understood. You may also want to make sure that other health professionals, such as your primary care doctor, are kept informed so they can coordinate your overall care. It's important to keep an honest dialogue with your family so that they understand what you're going through and can help you make decisions. Also, I would be skeptical of anecdotes, no matter how well-meaning. There are no two patients who are exactly alike, and I would be careful about trying to apply something you've heard about another patient to your specific case. It also may be useful to have second opinions if time is available. Having other opinions can help refine and formulate your questions. It's important to work with your healthcare team and friends and family so that you can maintain the highest quality of life possible. It's important to pursue those activities that help your overall physical wellness. This means all of the standard recommendations to living your best possible life. That includes exercise through physical activity, preferably something that you enjoy doing. Mental activity, including hobbies, writing, reading, arts and crafts, cooking, or anything else that stimulates you. Along these lines, you want to engage in things that you love to do, whether it's activities, passions, or being around the people that you enjoy most. Being able to spend time with cherished family and friends will not only be uplifting, but likely has beneficial effects on your overall health. Finally, getting the proper amount of sleep and rest and proper attention to diet and nutrition. Having a good quality of life is very doable. Just because you have a brain tumor, no one's saying that you cannot visit a mall and enjoy a birthday party, have a nice meal, or see a good movie. It's important to continue to live your life to the highest degree possible, despite any diagnosis or side effects that you may be suffering. This is by far the best way to cope with your tumor. I'm going to stop here now and turn the program over to my colleague, Dr. Eric Wong.
2: Oh,
0: Thank you so much, Dr. Bruce. That was really outstanding, a wonderful way to start the program, and also just a very inspiring way to conclude the program in terms of quality of life being so important as well, and not to lose track of that, um, and to really enjoy life. That's an important thing to, to include for everyone to think about, but particularly for this particular population as well. And our next speaker is Dr. Eric Wong. Dr. Wong is... Professor of Neurology, Medicine, Neurosurgery, and Radiation Oncology, the Warren Albert Medical School of Brown University, Director of Medical Neuro-Oncology, Rhode Island Hospital. And Dr. Wang will be addressing electric field treatments, managing symptoms and treatment side effects, the role of rehabilitation medicine, and guidelines to prepare for telehealth, telemedicine appointments with your healthcare team, including technology, prepared list of questions, and discussion of open notes. It's my great pleasure now to turn this program over to my esteemed colleague, Dr. Wong.
2: Thank you very much, Carolyn. And um, this is a wonderful opportunity for me to talk to patients about glioblastoma. So first, I would like to spend a few minutes to talk about um, a treatment that I have been working on uh, in the past uh, for more than a decade, and that is tumor treating fields. This treatment has been around for more than a decade, and it was first approved for use in, gli- in recurrent glioblastoma in 2011, and in 2015, it was approved for use in newly diagnosed glioblastoma. Now, it works in a number of ways, and it has uh, a multiple uh, mechanisms of actions, including interfering with tumor cells while they are dividing. Uh, It can punch holes in the tumor cell membrane. It can stress the tumor cells in such a way that the immune system becomes activated and uh, recognize the tumor cells. And lastly, it can prevent, potentially prevent the migration of tumor cells. One of the things that our research team at Brown has been doing is to um, study how the electric field propagate inside the brain, and one of the our latest finding was that uh, the brain swelling or cerebral edema can alter the way that the electric fields uh, are are distributed in the brain so it is important to keep the brain swelling down to a minimum. And one of the ways that we do it is by either giving uh, desimethasone or Avastin. And Avastin is probably a better agent because it does not interfere with the immune system or cause infection or cause diabetes. Now this device, this is actually a device and not a drug, and this device involves patients shaving their hair, and, uh, they, and one of their family members or friends needs to apply f- two pairs of, um, of the uh, transducer arrays onto their scalp. And these electric fields would permeate on the surface of the scalp into the brain. Patients have to wear it for about 75% or more of the time, Approximately 18 hours a day. And in order to accumulate enough effect, uh, patients really have to wear it for about four to six months. And having a family member or friend to help you is really important. Um, and there are ways that uh, the device and also um, Uh, the setup can make it easy on you. Now, since its initial approval for use in glioblastoma, this device is currently being investigated in brain metastasis from lung cancer, as well as lung cancer in the body. Uh, There are clinical trials that are currently underway in these disease sites, as well as in ovarian cancer and pancreatic cancer so it is very very exciting that in the next uh, year or so there will be a lot of additional clinical trial results that will be coming out for brain metastasis for lung cancer for ovarian cancer and for pa- uh, pancreatic cancer now I just now I w- would like to spend a little bit of time talking about the use of desimethasone. Desimethasone is a very common drug that is being used in patients with glioblastoma. It is very, very helpful to decrease the amount of swelling in the brain. For those who are on this medicine, you know that there are a number of side effects associated with it, including suppressing the immune system, interfering with your treatment, potentially against the glioblastoma. It can make your sugar level go up. It can give you uh, weight gain. It can make your skin bruise easier. Uh, It can give you an an infection, uh, particularly an infection in the lung called pneumocystis, and therefore you have to take a prophylactic antibiotic called Bactrim. It can also cause muscle weakness. So it is important while you are taking desimethasone to keep the dose to a minimum. And if necessary, you may need to um, uh, speak to your doctor about the use of Avastin to help lower the desimethasone requirement so that you won't suffer from these side effects. These side effects are reversible, but it may take a little bit longer in order to reverse these symptoms. Usually, it may take as long as about three months to four months, and some patients even six months. So what if you develop weakness or side effects from your treatment or from desimethasone? Well, um, one of the benefits of rehabilitation is that it can strengthen your muscle, it can give you more energy, and in fact, If you have the stamina, I would encourage um, all the glioblastoma patients uh, to walk, and this is a very, very easy exercise to do, particularly when the weather is getting warmer these days in the United States. Um, Rehabilitation is important because it can help you to regain your strength, it can help you to regain your balance, it can um, help you to regain your stamina. Doing rehabilitation would also keep you active, and activities can also prevent clots from forming in your legs or in your lungs. So talk to your doctors, talk to your nurses, and talk to your physical therapist. Nowadays, um, there are also advances in um, Uh, In technology. So nowadays it is easier to see a doctor um, than ever. So, but I would like to say a few things about um, how to navigate uh, telehealth or telemedicine. Everyone probably heard of telemedicine, and there are a number of things that you may need to do in order to make your telemedicine visit as productive as possible. So for example, um, getting a good computer, and particularly a computer with a camera, because um, it is important for doctors to get a visual on you, to see how you are doing, to see how you breathe, and to see how you walk and to see whether or not you are suffering from side effects from a variety of medications, including the desimethasone Uh, Computer prices and also uh, camera prices are dropping and you can easily find a computer with camera um, uh, uh, just for a few hundred dollars. Be prepared before the visit. Bring your medication bottles or a list of your medications as well as the doses, and prepare a list of questions, and have a trusted family member or friends to help you to take notes. Um, and then turn your camera on to allow your doctors to see you so that he or she can get a visual on you. So, I hope these messages are helpful, and, um, and I would be happy to answer any questions that you may have. Thank you very much.
0: Oh, thank you so much, Dr. Wong. That was an outstanding presentation. Lots of wonderful information and some new information also. And um, I know there'll be questions for you during the uh, Q&A period as well. So thank you. And our next speaker is Ms. C. Z. Schnorr, And Ms. Schnorr is an executive director of the Brain Tumor Foundation. Um, she is the executive director of the Brain Tumor Foundation. And she'll be addressing the Brain Tumor Foundation's free programs and services and she'll be providing ways that you can contact the um, Brain Tumor Foundation. It's really my great pleasure now to turn this program over to my esteemed colleague, Ms. Schnoor. Thank you, Carolyn,
3: Um, and uh, thanks, uh, Dr. Bruce and Dr. Juan, um, for your wonderful presentations. Um, Just a few words about the Brain Tumor Foundation. Our mission is to support patients and families who are dealing with a brain tumor. Uh, We do provide support groups. Uh, awareness events, informational panels, medical referrals, and innovative initiatives, um, such as our soon-to-be-released Kids Act. Um, Our support groups cover patients with malignant brain tumors, non-malignant brain tumors, and we also have a caregiver group that we co-host with Cancer Care, which has been running for about, I want to say about 12 years, um, but certainly over a decade. While based in New York City, we are a national organization, and we are the only one that focuses on the early detection of brain tumors, and we provide free brain scans using a newly developed mobile MRI unit or units um, called Hyperfine, which was developed recently, and they are miniature MRIs that look a little bit like Star Wars R2-D2. Our campaign is part of a formal recognized research project, which we are partnered now with New York Presbyterian, Wild Cornell, and was initially launched in 2008 with Columbia University Medical Center and the Mailman School for Public Health. Our website, um, which we uh, hope that you will visit, is uh, www.braintumorfoundation.org, or you can email Jerry that's G-E-R-R-Y, at braintumorfoundation.org, for more information about our programs and the latest in Brain Tumor Foundation news. Um, I can, I'm keeping it brief because I know that there are a number of people who would have questions, both for the doctors and possibly for myself. Um, and hopefully, we can provide you with whatever information and support that you are looking for.
0: Uh, thank you so much, Mr. Sure. That was really wonderful, and I think that um, this is just a wonderful organization. We are um, honored to be partnering with you on this program, and. Definitely this is a go-to organization for many of our participants on the program today. If you haven't already taken advantage of their services, please do. They really are um, very innovative in what they're doing. And um, I'm just going uh, um, we'll to a um, but, um, say a few words about Cancer Care Services, and then we're going to take some – we'll move on to Q&A. But I do want to say a few words about Cancer Care's programs and services. So Cancer Care is a national organization, and we provide oncology social work services to people Um, throughout the country. Um, And we have a hope line, 800-813-4673, and people call that number often in the United States. And they will speak with an oncology social worker, and um, they will usually call with a question. They have some issue on their mind. And then the social worker will go over with them all our other services that we provide as well. Um, And um, in addition to that, we do offer both financial and co-payment assistance, which is invaluable to many of our many people throughout the country. Um, we do help with child care, home care, transportation as well, and um, we also um, offer workshops like this. And we offer um, publications, and you can also visit our website for a very full description of our services at www.cancercare.org. And now we're going to move on to the uh, to the Q&A. I'm going to um, ask Rob to explain to you how to queue up the questions, and uh, we're going to try to take as many of your questions as possible. Rob? Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, at this time, we will take questions from the web only. You may submit questions by clicking Ask a Question. Okay, so we have a question um, actually for um, Dr. Wong. How does uh, tumor treating fields actually slow tumor growth? What is the method of action?
2: Um, okay, there are a number of mechanisms of actions um, because tumor treating field is a physical method. It is not a drug. So um, a physical method can cause a number of effects on the tumor cells. The most prominent effect that we can potentially see uh, under a microscope is that it disrupts the tumor cells as they are dividing. So, as you know, most of the cells in the brain are not dividing. The nerve cells are not dividing. The supportive cells are usually not dividing, okay? The tumor cells, but the tumor cells are dividing. And therefore, uh, there's some selectivity of electric field therapy against the tumor cells. So, that's one mechanism of action. Another mechanism of action uh, which was uh, revealed just last year is that it can perturb it can stresses the tumor cells in the brain, and the stress can make the tumor cells more obvious to the patient 's immune system so therefore, it is very very important for patients uh, who are using tumor-treating fields uh, to do away with, if at all possible, do away with medications that may suppress the immune system. So, for example, desimethasone is one of the um, medications that is commonly used that can suppress the immune system. So it is worthwhile for you to talk to your doctor whether or not you can get the desimethasone dosage to a minimum. Now you can do it in one or two ways. One is that you can just slowly wean it off, or another way would be to use uh, Avastin, um, which also has anti-brain swelling effect, to use it uh, as a substitute of uh, desimethasone as well, or to use it to minimize the dose of desimethasone. So uh these are the two major mechanisms of actions of tumor treating fields.
0: Excellent. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, and a question for Dr. Bruce. Um, do you believe that, that um, uh, people should continue to receive um, COVID booster
1: shots? Yeah, as, as I explained, I, I understand that that there's, controversy about covid and about vaccines but i think when you have a brain tumor i think you have to err on the side of doing as much as you can to protect yourself and um, there the I, I think the data very strongly support the use of of the uh, initial vaccines the the boosters the the data are less clear but I think if I had a brain tumor, I would opt to get as much of the vaccine as possible. By all accounts, the, the amount of side effects from, from boosters seems to be pretty small, and I think the benefits outweigh the risks. In the context of of we can't know everything possible about viruses and, and vaccines, but I would just say uh, for someone with a brain tumor, I think, protect yourself as much as you can, and that means getting getting as much of the vaccine as possible.
0: Excellent. Thank you so much. And a question for – and that's really important, I think, across the board. Um, uh, So thank you for for that, Dr. Bruce, and thank you for the question. Um, And for um, Dr. Wong, I've been having a lot of vertigo. This is frustrating considering I'm a dancer and used to dance daily for exercise. Can you speak to some ways to help with this? I don't know if you could okay. to address this in a general way because I realize it's a particular situation, but just in general. And... Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. Okay, so um, most patients with uh, brain tumors do not have vertigo. So, um, so when I hear patients with vertigo, okay. okay. one of the questions that I have would be, is there swelling in the brain? So, uh, you may want to talk to your doctor about, uh, your MR, your recent MRI results and see whether or not there's more swelling. Um, and obviously when you have swelling, uh, if the swelling is, uh, is significant, then, um, then any kind of movement can set off a vertiginous, uh, sensation. Um, can set off a vertiginous sensation, not all the time, not in all patients, but in certain selective patients can do that. Um, now patients with brain tumors, they can also have vertigo just because they have vertigo. Okay. Because vertigo is a, uh, is, um, is a potential, um, uh, neurological problems in the general population. Usually, it is from some of the crystals that is knocked off in the inner ear, Um, and there is a specific disease called Meniere's disease. Patients can have hearing loss associated with it in addition to vertigo. So, um, if you are not seeing a neurologist or a neuro-oncologist, I would advise you to seek a neurological consultation to have a neurologist to examine you. Um, There is an exercise that you can do uh, that does not involve medications, and that is called a brandt Daroff exercise that can dampen the severity of vertigo. Now, sometimes, patients' vertigo can become very, very severe. Uh, some of the patients can have uh, vomiting associated with it, and uh, they are very sick. Uh, I hope this is not the case in this particular patient, um, uh, but it can become severe. In that case, um, uh, you, you uh, then the patient definitely need a neurological evaluation and possibly an ENT evaluation. Um, so, um, I think the safest thing to do is to seek a neurological consultation uh, and or an ENT consultation. I hope this helps.
0: Excellent. Thank you so much. I think that's very helpful to our – we hope this is helpful to our uh, participants. And um, for Dr. Bruce, um, how soon do I need to begin treatments after diagnosis, um, a glioblastoma, is it common to have surgery and then a regimen of chemotherapy, radiation, or is this on a case-by-case basis?
1: Well, I think the consensus is for a newly discovered glioblastoma, you probably want to have surgery as as soon as reasonably possible. In most cases, not necessarily an emergency, but you want to do something sooner rather than later. And in most cases, the idea is to have surgery where you try to safely remove as much tumor as possible. And uh, in some cases, if the tumor is located in a very important location in the brain, such as the area that you need for speech or the or the area that you need for for motor function, um, you you may the the surgeons may feel that it's Dangerous to do anything more than just remove a small amount of the tumor to make the diagnosis. Um, in some cases, where where the tumor is located in a speech area or motor area, you may be your your surgeons may uh, elect to do the surgery with you actually awake under just some local anesthesia, so that they can map out where the speech or motor areas are. Now, once you've had surgery, it takes about um, about a week, maybe just under a week, for the pathologist to analyze the tumor taken from surgery and establish the diagnosis, and they'll also do some markers, a little a little uh, uh, look for different proteins, different markers in the tumor that will help guide the neuro-oncologists who are taking care of you. It'll help them to know a little bit better about what your prognosis might be, and possibly which treatments might be best for you. There's there's Then when to actually start the radiation and chemotherapy. I think it's pretty much acceptable that all patients need radiation. Um, Most patients need chemotherapy. There are some exceptions to that, but most patients need radiation and chemotherapy. And usually you like to start that treatment as soon as you've healed from the surgery. So that's usually anywhere from about two to four weeks after surgery. And usually you start with the radiation. The radiation, most of the times, is a six-week course. That is 30 treatments of radiation given once a day for 30 days. So Monday through Friday for six weeks, you get a little bit of radiation each day. And there's less of a consensus about when to start the chemotherapy. Some people like to start the chemotherapy at the same time As you're getting the radiation, some people like to wait until the radiation is finished. There's no real consensus on that. But just to, to sum up, you, you wanna, once, when you have a, a tumor that's newly diagnosed, you wanna proceed with the surgery as soon as reasonably possible. And then you wanna start your treatment with radiation chemotherapy somewhere in the range of two to four weeks after your surgery.
0: Thank you. Thank you very much, and I um, hope that's helpful. And um, next question uh, for Dr. Mong. Um, is Novacure Optune the only current available uh, tumor-treating field
2: device? Uh, yes. Uh, it is the only uh, United States Food and Drug Administration-approved tumor-treating field device. So um, uh, it is... Uh, in the United States. It is the only approved device in the United States. Uh, this device is also for those who are in, in who are international patients, uh this device is also available in Europe. This device is also available in certain East Asian countries, um like China, Japan, and that's about it I think. Um uh, basically Europe and East, East Asia.
0: Thank you. And um, for Dr. Um, Bruce, is airplane travel dangerous if you have a brain tumor?
1: Um, you know, unless, you, uh, un- un- unless you're having um, new, either swelling or from recent surgery, uh, no reason that you can't travel by plane. Uh, plane travel is perfectly fine.
0: And then, um, and then um, for Dr. Bruce, what are your thoughts on the reported uh, D.C. Vax results?
1: Well, we were, <laughs> we were just talking about that earlier. Um, they are in the process of analyzing the results for that. I don't think we've heard yet what the final result is. The consensus seems to be that the vaccine is having some effects um whether the effects are uh, sufficient enough to um uh, to warrant it, uh, you know warrant people getting this treatment it, it's not clear yet i i think we're going to know pretty soon what those results are but uh i i don't think they've been available yet
0: okay excellent um, so just stay tuned um and um for um Dr. Wong, I've read about focused ultrasound as an early-stage, non-invasive therapeutic technology for treating glioblastoma. Can you speak to this? What are your thoughts? Oh, this is a general okay. question.
2: Yeah, focused ultrasound um, is uh, currently uh, FDA-approved for use in treating essential tremor. Um, now, um, it is being studied right now, for use in patients with uh, glioblastoma. Um, so it is not an approved treatment at this time. There are places where uh, one can participate in clinical trial and in fact, uh, our institution is, um, is uh, planning to open up as a site in, in the country um, to participate uh, in this trial. Uh, using fo- uh, focus ultrasound. So um, so uh, I think if you want to participate in a trial, you should go to clinicaltrial.gov and type in focus ultrasound uh, and whatever tumor uh, you have and see if there's a trial near your home. So uh, I think that would be the best way to go.
0: And I should just remind everyone that you will be getting a survey Monkey evaluation from us in a couple of days. And when you get that, um, probably next, early next week, when you get that, um, there will be um, any um, any phone lines we gave, websites um, that we've given will be included um, in this. So even though you've been writing things down, perhaps, or trying to keep track of everything, you'll be getting it in the evaluation of the program, which we appreciate you're filling out, but we also include um, resources, for few that we've mentioned during the program um, that we want to be sure that you have um, access to as well. And with we have a question for Dr. Bruce. Um, is glioblastoma genetic, or can you get this illness from having had past breast cancer, other cancers, or from previous chemotherapy or radiation treatments?
1: Right, so um, these these are not... Uh, inherited genetically uh there there are some very r- very rare genetic diseases um such as neurofibromatosis or some very rare diseases called uh like Fercott syndrome or lynch syndrome these are very rare and they may have some genetic basis to it but the answer the, the main answer is uh no this is not something that is genetically passed on to other uh, other family members so um you and and there are really no correlation with previous other types of cancers for the most part the The only exception is that there seems to be some correlation if as a child you had radiation for a childhood brain tumor or certain types of leukemia where you may have had prior radiation. there seems to be a small very small uh, higher uh, a, a very small uh, correlation with with a, a slightly higher risk of glioblastoma. But in general, if you've had breast cancer or prostate cancer and been treated for that, that should not increase your risk of glioblastoma.
0: Thank you. And um, a question um, for Dr. Wong. What can one do nutritionally for glioblastoma?
2: I see. So um, I think the most important thing is uh, to... Um, eat a healthy diet, it, and as well as uh, eating a well-balanced, uh, healthy diet, okay? Now, um, some of the medications can make certain patients lose weight, and some of the med- medications can make patients gain weight. So, for example, uh, chemotherapy drugs can cause nausea and sometimes even severe vomiting. Not so much temozolomide, but there's a, another drug called lomastine that can be um, very hard on your stomach uh, that can cause uh, nausea and vomiting. So uh, if you develop that, you may lose uh, a few pounds, okay? Usually, it is self-limiting. It will go away, and we also have very good medications to, um, to uh, suppress the nausea and vomiting side effects of lomastine or temozolomide. Patients often have more problems with weight gains, and that is because uh, the, the steroid medication, desimethasone, makes patients gain weight. Um, and uh, particularly those patients who are taking uh, high doses of desimethasone, it can give them a voracious appetite. Um so this is another reason to keep the desimethasone dosage to a minimum um and um uh, and and um and sometimes uh it may be necessary to switch them to another medications in order to uh pre- prevent excessive weight gain um and then it can um um, and excessive weight, uh, can potentially cause, um, uh, sleep problems, obstructive sleep apnea, and so on and so forth. So, um, but, uh, eating a balanced diet with, 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 with fruits and vegetables, um, as well as, uh, regular exercise would help. So, so these are my, um, my recommendations.
0: Excellent. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dr. Wan. It's very helpful. Um, And for Dr. Bruce, my dad just finished radiation about a month ago and is on maintenance chemotherapy. He will not know if the treatment is working until August. However, it seems like he is progressing, and we would like to see about getting him enrolled in a clinical trial sooner than later. Any advice on how to speed up the process?
1: Well, I, I don't think there's any secret about speeding up the process. I, I think almost any major medical center, particularly a medical center that's associated with a university, and no matter where you live in this country, there's probably someplace well within driving distance, uh, I think you simply need to contact them and set up an appointment for a consultation. Um, they should be able to accommodate you within, uh, you know. M- most times it's within a, within a week. I mean, here at, at, at Columbia we try to make sure everyone is seen within a week. But you should be able to get an appointment within a couple of weeks, and then you simply have to find out what clinical trials are open at that center. Uh, a lot of this can, if, if you if you're lucky enough to be in a in a metropolitan area, there were multiple medical centers, then. I think you can simply go online and get some information about what kind of clinical trials may be open, or which which places seem to have more uh, uh, more clinical trials ongoing, and and simply make an appointment. I, you know, people that are doing clinical trials for brain tumors, they're in the business of, of getting patients. They they want patients. They need patients. So they would would gladly review your case and determine whether you're a good candidate for whatever treatments they have available.
0: Excellent. And as we conclude the program, I'd like to ask our speakers to just provide a takeaway, um, starting with Dr. Bruce then Dr. Wong and then Anish Schnorr, um, just in terms of takeaway, what you'd like people to take away from today's program. Um, a sentence or... A well, of-
1: I, I think the takeaway is that the... The science and research has moved very far ahead in understanding glioblastoma, understanding the the genetic and the molecular basis at a very at a, at, a, at a very fine level, and scientists are using that to develop new treatments. And most of the time, you don't hear about a treatment until it's until it's actually already ready to go in the clinic. So but I can tell you there's a lot of work being done right now. There are a lot of very promising treatments that are being developed right now in all of the great medical centers around this country. So this is a very optimistic time to be looking towards the future for, for new and better treatments for glioblastoma.
2: Excellent. Thank, you. Thank you so
1: much. And Dr.
0: Wong?
2: Uh, I just want to reiterate what Dr. Bruce has just said. Uh, there is hope in glioblastoma treatment, and I would encourage patients to be our partners because we cannot do this alone. We, we need our patients to help us in order to perform the clinical trial so that we can test for new therapies. So in my career, I have seen a number of new therapies come in, to, come in as treatments for glioblastoma. So, uh, and it is through clinical trials that we get the answer, that we get the answer that the treatment works, and then it becomes standard of care, and then, um, and then we are functioning at a higher level, and then there is, uh, another treatment that comes in. So please, uh, be our partner to, um, to move this field forward. Thank you. Thank you. And Ms. Shore, do you want to
0: add anything in terms of, um, takeaway?
3: Sure. Um, I just want to um, uh, reconfirm that uh, brain tumor patients and their families don't have to feel that they're alone. Uh, They do have allies and support systems all over the country, including uh, the ones that we provide through the Brain Tumor Foundation. Um, It's very lonely and a very challenging time for families uh, when they're affected by brain tumors, but there are... um, support systems and mechanisms available, and they should really take advantage of what is out there and ask for help, um, and um, hopefully we'll be able to provide the resources that they're looking for.
0: Well, thank you. You know, this has been an extraordinary call. I want to thank our speakers. I also want to thank our participants for really asking such really excellent questions today. Although we've done this program before, I have to say the questions today have been really extraordinary and our speakers have been extraordinary in responding to them as well. And um, as we conclude, I wouldn't and I want to just reiterate what what Ms. Short has said that we don't want anyone to leave this program doing it there alone. We want you to now know that you're part of a community of support. And your support of course starts with your healthcare team and your healthcare team consists of many different people. Um, um, so you have your um you know your um, your surgical oncologist, neuro you um, oncologist. You have um, your oncologist. You have your oncology nurses, oncology social workers, financial specialists. So no matter what your concerns are, please bring them up with your healthcare team. It's a great place to start. In addition, of course, the Brain Tumor Foundation is a really excellent go-to place to go to. Very hands-on very much able to meet your needs and very easy to reach. That's the other thing about them. They're very accessible to reach. And um, also cancer care. We have a host of services, and you can also contact us as well. We also work together with the Brain Tumor Foundation, so we are partners in many ways um, in, in trying to develop programs that will be even more helpful to you. But the Tumor Foundation itself does some very interesting work, and it's really worth your while connecting with them for those of you who haven't. Um, Again, I want to thank you all for your participation today, and I want to wish you all a very fine day. Thank you all. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for your participation. This concludes the workshop, and you may now disconnect. Everyone have a great day.